Let's, if you would, please turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. Genesis 4, and I'll begin reading in verse 1. It says, Now the, the, the man had relations with his wife Eve. Now, instantly you know the context then. And she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. Again, she gave birth to his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the flock, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came about that in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, was also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you. And you must master it. And Cain told Abel his brother. And it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. And we'll stop right there. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, Your Word is is sobering. Seeing the effects of sin which dwells in all of us is sobering. Lord, it's only by Your grace that sin is, uh, is kept at bay as it is in our life. Although sometimes we wonder, Lord, we know that we sin. Even this week, Lord, we have, we have fallen short of Your glory. Lord, we, we come before You desiring forgiveness, desiring cleansing, then a removing of the guilt so we confess our faults and our sins before You at this time. You are so kind through the blood of Christ to to forgive us our sins. And we thank You, Lord, for that. So we stand before You as, as pure. We stand before You as worshipers, being able to come and, and worship You in spirit and in truth. And Lord, that's what we, we desire today. I pray that our response to this Word would be genuine worship. Would be a, a life of, of worship to You. We thank You, Lord, for Your work in our hearts and our lives. Father, we pray if there's anyone that's not here, that's here that doesn't know You, I pray that this sobering passage would sink deep in their hearts and their minds at the devastation of sin in life, in our lives, what it can do. Lord, again, our focus is upon You, and we just thank You for allowing us to be here, under Your Word, and we, we submit ourselves to it. And Lord, as we face this new year, I pray that You would give grace. Help us to, to, to learn some principles in this passage that will help us to, 
to control sin in our life, to, to be able to, to eradicate, get rid of this sin in our life. Lord, maybe we at least take it seriously. At least understand how harsh it is and how much it affects our life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you've probably, like our family, have come together in the past week or so, and uh, probably at some point you have opened up a a gift, uh, some kind of present, uh, we have lots of presents under our tree, but there's, there's something exciting about opening a present. And you can see it in the eyes of, of children. Uh, it's uh, something that they don't know what it is and they're excited about it, but it's going to be probably something new, something unscratched, unbroken, something shiny with great potential. In fact, it's, it's probably going to make our life easier. And so there's great anticipation in opening a present. It's going to be, our our lives are going to be more fun as a result of this new present. Or or more fulfilled, or more gratified in some way because of this present. And we can't open it soon enough. As soon as possible, we want to use it. We want to get it, and we want to find out what it is. I know uh, in our house, it was a, since Thanksgiving our children have been wanting to open presents. And under the tree, they, you know, presents accumulate under the tree. And, Dad, can we not open them up before the end of the world, before December the 21st, because we're not going to get a chance to play with our presents. So there, and there was great anticipation of opening the presents. And I had to be the heavy and say, No, no, if you go down that track, we'll, we'll be open our presents at Thanksgiving from now on. And... And it, it, it just is going to drift that way. We want to open presents. By the way, that, that whole apocalypse thing is, is a little disappointing. As for apocalypse, it was just a, a, little, a little weak. What's that? The worst one ever. The worst. One ever, the worst. <laughs> Gifts. We like them. We, we, there's great anticipation. It, it's going to change our life. It's going to help us in some way. It's... It's brand new, and, and that's what we are facing. We're facing this uh, passage that was read before us from Ecclesiastes. Life is a gift from the Lord. The time that the Lord has given you is a gift. It's a gift from the Lord. Now, and we're approaching 2013. That's, that's, even, that's just amazing to me, 2013. But it's, it's a gift from the Lord. He's given us that. And we approach it with great anticipation and, and great hope that, that uh, this year, uh, this year coming, it will be better than last year. Last year, 2012, is, is tainted. It, it, there was problems in that year. It was tainted by sin and difficulty. 2013 is, is untouched so far. We, we haven't approached it yet. We haven't, we're not there yet. But it has great potential to fulfillment in our life. And we, we wait on that. And, and uh, it, it is a gift from the Lord. But there's one problem. We don't get too excited about 2013 because we know that it's pretty much going to be a lot like 2012. There's, there's this law of entropy. 
We know that if anything can go wrong, it's probably going to go wrong. We know that things move from order to disorder. We know that there's sin in this world and there's going to be problems. And we've just kind of learned to live with that. So time as a gift, it's, 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 it's okay, but we know that we just, it's a struggle. There's problems. There's weeds in our garden. There's thorns and thistles. There's, there's rust. Things move to decay. There's poisons. There's diseases. There's extreme temperatures like we're facing today. And it seems that we, we have to compete with nature. And nature is turned against us and we're competing to just provide for our family. We're, we're competing with nature and nature's, uh, nature's turned itself on us. So we go into this new year uh, not with just blind optimism, but with just a reality of this is the way it is. There's going to be problems. There's problems. So we're, we're a little optimistic, we're a little pessimistic, but we're very pragmistic, pragmatic. We know, we're realistic. We know that there's problems going to... Now, we're not all doom and gloom on 2013. We just know the reality that there's going to be problems. And that's a good reality. You're safe to have that. You should know. And I will tell you now, 2013, there will be problems. And it's foolish to think that we will, we will have a time, we will have a life without problems. That is not the kind of life that the Bible describes for us. There will be problems. But the biggest problem is not the problem. <laughs> it sounds kind of strange. It's not the problem in itself. It's most of the time, it's our response to the problem. How we react to the problem. Because God allows these problems to come into our life, but many times it's the reaction, it's the, it's the, uh, the response, our response, that, that escalates and that creates a bigger problem. And that's exactly what we see here in Cain's reaction, Cain's response to the Lord's rejecting his, his worship. Now in this passage we have two brothers and uh, everything's going for them. They have a whole life in front of them. The Lord has blessed them with skills. They, uh, they are exercising dominion over this earth like God had commanded Adam to do. Now, it's a lot more difficult because of sin being in the world, but they know that. But they've got their whole life ahead of them. A lot of potential. A lot of potential. Cain himself was a blessing to Eve. And maybe this is the Messiah. She says, the Lord has, has helped me with a, a man-child, given me a man-child here. But it turns out that he really was a, a child of, of Satan. And Abel, the Lord uh, gave Eve another son, Abel, and he was a man of faith. He put his faith in God, but what? He was killed by his brother early on. Cain's problem was his dealing with sin, with his reaction to the problem that he had. And here's what I want you to see. Here's the point. It is our reaction to our problems that causes us the greatest amount of difficulty in our life. 
It's our reactions. Problems are going to come. We know that problems are going to come. The question is, how are you going to deal with those problems? And the question that we will answer, help, help answer today is, um, what can we learn from Cain's sin that will help us face 2013? Or let me put it a different way. Let me put it in a negative light. What can we do to spoil 2013? How can we spoil it for you? How can I ruin your year? And here's what you do. Here's three things, three little principles that I want you to just take note of from this passage of how to ruin your brand new year that we're going to get from the Lord. Number one, live by your own passions and rules. Now, if you want to take notes, there's a little uh, note, uh, there's a little pamphlet inside the bulletin, and you can fill out the outline there. But number one, live by your own passions and rules. That's exactly what we learn from Cain here. Look at verse 3. And it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the first fruits of the ground. Now that sounds good. This is a time of worship. This is an opportunity that Cain has to worship the Lord. Now no, there's no doubt that he has had some training and instruction from his parents on how to do this. I believe he knew full well what he was doing. I think there was some contention between he and Abel, and we'll look at that in a little bit. The primary contention, though, was his was against God. His problem was against God. And Cain, now he was good. He was good at, at growing things. He was unlike me. I have a hard time getting grass to grow. But he could get anything to grow. And he was good at it. But Abel, he was skilled at at shepherding. He could do that. Now, Moses doesn't give us a lot of detail here. He doesn't doesn't tell us what the contention is necessarily between Cain and Abel, but there's something there. And it has to do with, with worship, and it has to do with Cain being rejected by God. But that's not Moses' point. Moses' point here and showing us that in Genesis chapter 4, the spread of sin that happened in Genesis chapter 3. And we need to see that. We need to get that point that, that sin has its effect in our life and sin will spread and sin will have uh, consequences. And that's what Moses is telling us here. Now, he doesn't go into a lot of detail, but, but maybe that tension went uh, went something like this. It, it had to do with worship. And, and it might have been, and maybe, and maybe you know, we're just reading today's uh, ideas into it, but it, it may have been like this. No, no, uh, Abel, I believe that, that worship, it, it's just from the heart. And God only sees the heart. He, he doesn't care really what I do. It's just the best that I bring, and that's going to be acceptable to God. Abel says, no, no. Listen to me, you better do it God's way. Maybe that was the contention, I don't know. I don't know. But, but it says that Cain brought an offering to the Lord, and that offering was rejected. Now, Cain would have been okay. He would have been okay if he would have repented at that point. If he would have humbled himself and repented um, and asked for forgiveness for this sin. 
at that point. Things would have been okay. He had a problem. Maybe there was a miscommunication, maybe a misunderstanding about the, the principle, and, and he does it his way, and, uh, but he doesn't do that. Because Cain's whole orientation, his whole life orientation, is around himself. And Cain has disregard, really, for objective truth. He has disregard for objective truth and the, the wisdom of God. He rejects God's uh, prescription of worship. He rejects God's counsel when God tries to, to get him to do what is right. And he, ultimately, he rejects God's rule for mankind and he kills his brother. So the real problem is between Cain and God. That's the real problem. He didn't want to submit. He did not want to submit to authority. No one's going to rule my life. I'm going to do things my way. I'm going to, uh, uh, I, I'm going to pursue my own passions. Uh, Proverbs chapter 13 says, uh, says this, though. Chapter 13, verse 15 says, But the way of the treacherous... That's those who are living in sin. Maybe the wicked. The way of the wicked. The way of the treacherous is hard. Cain's way is going to be hard because he is doing it his way. He is not going to line up his orientation of life, his to God. He's going to do it his way. He's going to pursue his own passions. He's going to do his own rules. That's what he's going to do. You know what? I see many rebellious people like that in our society today. They will not submit to God. We see a lot of young men like Cain running around in our society today. They want to do things their own way. They do not want to do things God's way. They do not want to obey God's rule. In fact, we seem to have a whole society like that. Now you say, well, how does that apply to us? What can we do with that? I mean, God has come in and and He's changed our heart. And we're no longer enslaved by sin. We have a, a changed heart. And God has, has worked and His, His grace has dominated our life. And, and we know and we understand that we are to live our lives to the glory of God. Well, here's, here's the principle. So often what I see with Christians is not necessarily an out-and-out rebellion, an in-your-face God kind of attitude, but it's, it's just a disregard of what God says. It's just a, well, yeah, I know that that God is concerned about my conduct, but, but look, you know, it's okay. I'm not killing anybody. I'm not doing anything bad. It's just... Or I know that uh, my speech is important to God, but, but you know what? It's not that important. I'm not really hurting anybody, so my speech is, is you know, is out of check, maybe. It's not under God's rule. I can kind of do what I want to in that area. Our behavior is not related to people like we think it is, but it's really related to God. It should be oriented to God. What does God think about my behavior? Not is, am I hurting anybody or not? That seems to be where we live today. Even Christians, they kind of live right there. They want to do their own thing. As long as I'm not hurting anyone else, then, then it's okay. What are they doing? Well, they're not living God's, under God's rule. They're 
pursuing their own passions. And as Christians, you know what? We can very easily fall into that. And we have to be very careful. If you want to ruin your life, you want to ruin 2013, you just pursue your own passions. You live by your own rules and it, and it will be ruined. It will be spoiled. Number two. Here's what Cain was doing. He was carrying around un, unrepentant sin. He's carrying around unrepentant sin. Cain was very, very angry. Look at verse 6. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? So the Lord gets involved. He comes down and he begins to counsel with Cain. Verse 7. If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. Now there's a contrast between the desire of sin and mastering, mastering it. There's a battle going on there. Sin will master or you must master it. And there's that battle. The battle that's going on. And uh, this sin so far is just just in uh, Cain's heart. And, it, and it's wanting to get out. It's wanting to express itself. I want my way. And, and it's going to master Cain. It's already in his heart. He's already gotten a foothold there. And that's the point. That's what Moses wants us to see, how, how sin works. And even when God comes down and counsels, it's, it's really interesting, I, I like this. It, it, this sin breaks the relationship between God and, and man, God and Cain. Cain doesn't seem to, to matter. But listen to this, one commentary pointed this out. Eve had to be talked into sin by Satan. Satan comes along and he tempts Eve. Cain had to be talked out of sin by God. Interesting, isn't it? How that works. What's the difference? Cain, sin already resides in Cain. It has already mastered him. It has already got him. It just wants to be expressed. It wants total control. That's the way sin works. Cain winds up being of the devil. Look over in 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Just a quick verse of the comparison of Cain and Abel. John chapter 3 verse 12. Let me begin reading at verse 11. For this is the message which we have heard from the beginning, that you should love one another. Verse 12. Not as Cain, who was of the evil one, that's Satan, and slew his brother. Cain, was he was under the control, under the, the influence of Satan. He was just of Satan. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil. Within his heart, they, 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 he was just acting out what was already in his heart. And his brothers were righteous. So there's, that right there tells you a little bit of the contention, maybe... That, that Cain just was jealous of his brother, of his righteous brother, who was exercising faith. But nonetheless, Cain was letting 
sin rule him. Even under the counsel of God, sin was going to master him. Sin was going to dominate him and and ruin his life. Ultimately, that's what exactly what happened. Cain was carrying around with him this unrepentant heart. This unrepentant sin. God, I'm going to do things my way and you're not going to tell me how they're to be done. Boy, that just sounds like mankind, doesn't it? That sounds like all of us. It's that that age-old struggle over sin. It's it's just perpetuates. It's just ongoing. It's just a constant struggle. It's a constant battle that we're we're it's it's between good and evil. And Cain was just carrying this around. And like I said, what he should have done is he should have humbled himself before the Lord, repented of his sin, confessed his sin, and gotten it out of the way. Sin was mastering him. Even at that time, sin was going to master him. Its desire was for him. Its desire was to control him and to master him. And that's exactly what it was doing. The struggle of sin mastering us. Now, we don't think about sin that way. It's sin is a, an objective thing. It's kind of out there. It doesn't, it doesn't really control us. But in Romans chapter 6, what do we see? We see sin as a slave master. And, and we have to obey it. it. It has that much control over us. That's the picture. That's the image that, uh, that uh, Moses is giving us here about Cain. And it, it mastered him. It, it got him. The answer was, Cain, you must master it. And Cain wasn't interested in that solution. But um, he wanted to do things his own way. It, It was mastering him because it was from his own lust. From inside him. He wanted to, to participate in sin. He wanted to, to allow this sin to take control. Listen, frankly... It's only by the grace of God that we can control sin at all. It's only God's grace that we're not murdering one another. We're not carrying out the desires that are in our heart. It's only by God's grace that we can, that we can master this sin. It's God's grace that exposes us to our sin and says, hey, that's wrong. You need to, you need to change that. That's a grace of God. I often I tell my children, I tell parenting when we're, when we're talking about parenting, it is a blessing when your children are caught. It's a blessing. It's God's grace that He allows them to get caught so that can be corrected. Why? So that they confess that, confess it and humble themselves and get that out of the way. That's a gracious element. It's a gracious fact of the spiritual life. But so often we just hang on to our sin. We just, and it becomes to, to dominate us. Now, because of God's grace in Romans chapter 6, sin is no longer our slave master. That's a wonderful thought. That's a wonderful uh, concept. God has come down in His grace and through the blood of Christ and the death of Christ, He's been able to release that sin, that uh, grip that sin has on us. And it is no longer our slave. We do not have to obey it. 
So why do we still sin? On the New Testament, when Christians sin, it's, it's because they fall into it. It was an accident. It's not, it goes against our nature now. And really, it's kind of embarrassing, but it's, it's a voluntary act. You don't have to sin. You can say no to that sin. But so often we don't. And what happens is we will ruin our year. (laughs) Wind up ruining our time here on this earth. Ruining God's gift to us, our life, because of unconfessed sin. What are we supposed to do? Really, it's very simple. We humble ourselves before the Lord and confess it. Lord, I've done wrong. I want to repent. I I, I don't want to live in my sin. That's the right attitude. We confess our sin. We become confessors of sin. We see in 1 John. But we also mourn over our sin. We hate sin. And we try to put it away. We don't become apathetic towards sin. That's the way most of us are. We just kind of let it go. It's not hurting anybody. And it's just our, our sin. We don't become indifferent to it. No, we hate it. We get it out of our life. We want to, we want to, to get rid of it. You know what sin does? Number one, it, it, uh, it hinders our prayers. It breaks our relationship with God. And so any prayers that might be there that toward God it is hindered. It's, it's just blocked. It's blocked. It doesn't get beyond the ceiling. The Lord doesn't listen when we have unrepentant sin in our life. Another thing that it does, it causes God to withhold blessing many times from us. At least that's the examples that we've seen in the, Old Te- in the New Testament. But again, God has freed us from the slavery of sin. So the sin that we commit is voluntary. So that has to cause us to re-examine ourselves. Are there sins that, that I'm just voluntarily submitting myself to? Are there sins that I could just say no to and walk away from, but I just kind of like it? I just kind of keep doing it. Listen, the result of sin is death. It separates us from our God. And Cain's a perfect example. God comes down to him and says, Cain, take care of this sin problem. Confess this sin. Get it out. Don't let it dominate your life. And Cain rejects God's counsel. So he he lives by his own passion, his own rules. He's carrying around unrepentant sin. And number three, here's the last one here. He blames others for his problems. He blames his problems on Abel. Now, now the real contention here, there was contention between he and God. There's contention within himself, wasn't there? Now, that contention is going to come out. And it's going to, he's going to pick a fight with Abel. Now, we don't know, again, we don't know the details. We don't know why. But it does say in verse 8, it says, Cain told his brother Abel. Or told, yeah, told his brother. Abel, his brother. He told him. There was a conversation. It just literally says, he said to his brother. It doesn't tell us what he said. It doesn't tell us the conversation. But he tells him. Maybe it was like this. Hey, you know what? I tried that. I, um, I offered my uh, best of my growing to the Lord. My fruits, my vegetables. I offered that to the Lord and he rejected it. Maybe Abel said, I told you so. 
I don't know. I don't know what the problem was, but some way there was contention between Abel and Cain. Cain and Abel. In fact, I really think that the real contention was between Cain and God. And if Cain could have, he would have killed God. But he couldn't kill God and get away. He couldn't kill God. He couldn't do that, but he could kill his brother. And that's exactly what he did. He couldn't live with God. He couldn't live with himself. And he he just can't live with his brother. And and, uh, so he kills his brother. Cain turned things around um, to make it some way Abel's fault. Some way he's blaming Abel because of his problem with God. Again, we don't have all of the details, but but at least that much is clear. Cain claimed, Cain blamed things on Abel. This is a, a natural response of man. It's a natural solution. It's on the, the base uh, level, but that's what mankind does. We blame others. It's not my fault that I have this problem with God. It's other people's fault. That sounds an awful lot like jealousy and greed. Frankly, it sounds a lot like politics. It sounds a lot like what politics is based upon. Uh, Politics seems to not so much focus on the problems and and the goals and the solutions, but it focuses on each other and just picking one another apart. I want you to see a picture of this. In in James chapter 4. Turn with me, please, to James chapter 4. This picture, again, should just be a warning. It should scare us. Hebrews, James, in the New Testament. James gives us a pretty clear picture of what can happen as a result of of politics, of this jealousy, of this uh, exercising our own desires. It's striving in contention with other people. It says, what is, verse 4, chapter 4, verse 1, what is the source of quarreling and conflict among you? What's the source of it? What's the real problem? Is it not your own pleasures? Or, or, or translate, desires, your own passions that wage war against your members? And that's exactly what, where Cain is, isn't it? He's got this struggle going on inside. Sin wants to master him. And God says, you better master it before it masters you. And and Cain just gives in. It's just much easier to give in. It's much easier. Verse 2, you lust and do not have, because and you uh, so you commit murder. It's probably murder in your heart. It's not necessarily outward murder. But again, you're giving in to your own lust and your own passions. And so you, you talk out against one another. You, uh, you speak against one another. You gossip against one another. You lie against one another. It's because of your own lust. You're not, you're not mastering sin. It's mastering you. It says you are envious and cannot obtain. So you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. The real problem is your relationship with God has broken down. And so you're quarreling amongst yourself. It's in your, in, uh, in your own members. But then you're quarreling with other people because you're not content within yourself. 
that's, that's it. That's the picture. And that right there will ruin our year, our gift from the Lord. 2013. That kind of sinfulness does not belong in the church. That kind of politics does not belong in the church. It is not to be there. James is so clear on that. It doesn't belong. We go back to Genesis. What does Cain do? It's just very clear, very simple. It says, Cain told his brother Abel, and that's probably the argument. Sin had mastered Cain by this time. And it says, and he came, and it came about that when they were out in the field, just given the right circumstances, just given the right uh, situation and the right opportunity, sin's going to carry out what it wants to. That's exactly what you see. And it came about when they were out in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. And the result of that was his own life. He, it, it, it devastated his own life. He, he could not... God, God took the ability to grow things away from him. To farm. It's not going to produce for you anymore like it used to, Cain. And that was, uh, that was one of the effects, one of the results... But he gave in to his own passions, his own sin. And he carried that around. It was unrepentant sin. And he carried it around, his, his problem with the Lord. And it became a struggle within his own self. And, and then it began to, to show itself in a struggle with, with other people, with mankind. How, how are you doing about... about your response... And your reaction to problems. Do you handle things sinfully? Or do you handle things correctly? Do you handle things in the right way? What would be the right way? I've said it. It's very simple. Humble yourself. You say, God, I know I was wrong. I was wrong. It was the wrong thing to do. It's a humbling thing. There's a brokenness. So you humble yourself. And then you confess it. That's what we're commanded to do as New Testament saints. We just confess our sins. And then we repent. We turn from that sin. We say, no, I'm not going to do that any longer. And I'm going to go this way. And there's a turning. And then that relationship with God is restored again. There's peace with God. And therefore there can be then peace with ourselves. Peace within ourselves. And then, and then there's a peace with other people. Now, I just I want you to see this verse, and in closing, we'll close with this. Turn over to 1 John. This seems to be the dominant book that we're pulling from. But 1 John chapter 1, it's a verse that you know, but just a reminder. Here's what we do. If we do not want sin to dominate our lives, if we do not want sin to to ruin our 2013 and master us. We must master it. And we obviously, we know that that is by the grace of God working in our life. It is not by our own doing. Here's what we have to do. Chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, and that's what, Pan, that's what Cain should have done. Stopped right there, humbled himself, and confessed. 
Lord, I tried to do it my own way. I'm sorry. That was wrong. I realize that that is sin. Try to do it his own way. But if we confess our sin, he then is faithful and he's righteous to forgive us our sin. He's going to forgive you. He's going to, he's going to pick up that heavy burden of guilt on your shoulders and he's going to throw it away. That, that guilt that's weighing on you, that was weighing on Cain, that caused his visage to fall, it caused him to have a, a fallen countenance. It caused him to, to be an unhappy camper. God's going to reach down and He's going to take that burden and He's going to throw it away. He's going to forgive you of your sins. And then He's going to not just stop there, but He's going to do this. He's going to, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Even the things that we don't realize we're doing. Even the sins that we, we don't realize that are still in our heart that's wanting to master us. He's going to cleanse us. And that relationship is going to be restored with God. Isn't that a beautiful picture? That's what God can do. It's a beautiful picture. That's what God does. It's God's grace in her life. He, he will forgive sin. If we go into the year of 2013 with unrepentant sin, unconfessed sin, you're not going to be at peace. You're going to spoil your year. It will dominate your life if you just continue to give in to it. We're not that kind of people. We're more like Abel. If God has changed your heart, if God has worked in your heart, then you're more like Abel. There's faith there. There's a love for God there. There's a peace within. And that because that be, uh, creates a peace with other, with other people. It's kind of unlike Cain, though. His sin consumed him. The wages of sin is death. And all the joy and all the blessing that Cain had for, or God had for Cain in his life and all of the potential that was there was just all lost. It was all gone because of his own sin. Because his reaction to a simple problem that should have just been humbly repented of and confessed. I pray. I pray for Daniel's Bible Church. I pray for you. That we do not carry around sin with us. In our hearts. Sin that wants to master us. Let me ask you this too. If you're here. And you, you have never come to the place in your life that God has worked and you've seen your own sinfulness and you've repented before God and you've confessed that sin outright before God and, and realizing you're a sinner. Christ Jesus has died for you. And, and, and He wants, he's, he's desiring to take that burden away from you. And I would love to see you come to Christ today. A repentant faith with before Him today. That's really, that's really it. It's really that simple. That's really just man's problem, isn't it? It's just sin. We know there's going to be problems. How are we going to react to those problems? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I... 
I, I pray, seeing this warning from Cain and his life, Lord, I don't want to go down that road. Lord, spare me from that road. Sin has a hardening effect. It, it can blind us. It can, it can cause us to do things we don't want to do. Oh, Lord, just spare us. Not, not just spare me, spare this church. Spare each one here, Lord, from going down that road of sin. Do not let sin master us. Do not let it ruin our year and spoil our time on earth. That you have meant to, to be a blessed gift. Lord, I pray that you would work in hearts. Help us to take sin seriously in 2013. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.